Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we worship you. We thank you for what you are doing and who you are in this place. Speak to us as only you can and grant that we hear you today. Make fallow now the grounds of our soul that the seed of good life may be sown therein and let nothing corrupt it or take it out from us, but let us be made the better because of it. In the precious and matchless name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. And all those that agree said, Amen. Do me a favor, if you will, stand on your feet and read with me Matthew chapter 6. We're just reading verse 31 through 34. Matthew 6, verse 31 through 34. If you're unable to stand, please remain seated. It's quite all right. We stand in reverence to the word of God. Verse 31 through 34. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Look at somebody right now, say, neighbor, don't sweat the small stuff. Turn to someone else, say, neighbor, it's all small stuff. You may receive your seed. This is the third iteration. Don't sweat the small stuff. I've come to recognize in my life that some things people are conditioned to. Some things people are born with, that is nature, but other things are just straight up nurture. They're things that we've been around. They're ways in which we have learned how to act and behave. If you come from a home where worriers were at, maybe your mother or your father worried a lot, you tend to take on the same tendency of worry. You tend to look the same way. You didn't even recognize it in yourself. As you got older, you realized you did a lot of things like people you have been around. And if you came from a place where people were a little more contemplative and didn't worry as much, you, were, you found out you kind of acted that same way. I've seen it happen with how people treat grief. So some people end up where when something happens tragic in their life, there's a really wild emotional response. Others are more muted. And it really relates a lot when you look at their family to how their families acted. So they were conditioned into acting a particular way. You don't just come out with all these affects and behaviors. Much of what we do is learned. There's a wonderful story in one of Howard Thurman's books. It's about, it's a book uh, that Martin Luther King carried with him every day. He carried a little book called Jesus and the Disinherited. If you ever want to read a great book, read Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. In there, there's a little story about a little girl. The little girl is outside and she is by herself. She's sitting on the ground and she's playing and a snake comes near her. The snake gets right up to her. The father who is inside wants to ready the gun, wants to get ready to go out and kill the snake and do everything. But the little girl does not know to be afraid of the snake. The little girl doesn't move. She makes no sudden motions at all. She doesn't scream. She doesn't do anything. She looks at the snake. The snake looks at her and the snake crawls on off. 
what he realized was that most times people act the way they've been conditioned to act. If that had been most of us, we saw a snake, we're going to run, yell, scream, fight, kick, do something that will agitate the snake, and the snake would have shown up, bit us. But because of her youth, she had none of the preconditioning to make her respond to the presence of a dangerous animal. Therefore, she did not respond. I want to suggest to you that worry is a conditioning that you've allowed to happen in your life. That you have allowed yourself to become a worrier. Now, I'm not trying to talk. Please don't confuse my conversation today with real mental health issues or depression that require real mental health therapies. And, and really, you ought to definitely get all the assistance you need. And I'll talk about that at another point. What I'm talking about now is everyday worrying. I'm talking about how we just simply worry about everything. I've seen cooks worry on their way home after leaving the grocery store. Oh, my God, I should have got this. I should have got that. And all the way home, I may just have it in the... And all the way home, they're worrying about it. And before you know, by the time they get home, they're sweating. They're all upset. And they realize that everything they need, they already had it. Sometimes you've got to realize it was B.F. Skinner that said it this way. The strengthening of behavior which results from reinforcement is appropriately called conditioning. In operant conditioning, we strengthen an operant in the sense of making a response more probable or actual fact more frequent. In other words, once we are conditioned, that response we'll have will be more probable. It'll be more frequent. So we've been conditioned to worry, Something stresses us, we worry. What we have done is we have conditioned ourselves towards worry and thus it becomes the probable response to stress. Let me say it again. We have conditioned ourselves towards worry and thus it becomes the probable response to stress. Some of us are stressing about nothing. We're agitated, we're aggravated, we're walking around, we aggravate everybody else. We're angry for no reason. We're throwing objects that don't, don't need to be thrown. We're getting all flustered and frustrated about nothing. The truth of the matter is that your worry many times is self-inflicted and most times unfruitful. Most of the times you're worrying, you realize later there was nothing to worry about. And that did not stop you from sweating. It didn't stop you from being anxious. It didn't stop your blood pressure from going up. It didn't stop you from losing sleep. It didn't stop you from messing around and telling everybody else off because you were worried. It's amazing how. We have allowed this emotion to control our lives. Here's something you ought to get. I want you to take this from here and you need to run with this because this is a celebratory fact. We can dance in the aisle on this because I believe that Jesus in this, uh, this phrase, when he says, do not worry, I believe this phrase is a celebration of agency. Oh, you look at me like you. What do you mean, brother? 
I believe it's a celebration of agency. What that simply means in sociological terms is it refers to the thoughts and actions initiated by a person that reflects your individual power. Jesus would not tell you do not worry if he thought it was something God needed to do for you. He says do not worry because he says you have the power to control this one. You've got this one. Look, stop praying about stuff you have power over. It's like praying and asking God to turn off a running faucet when the handle's in front of you. Lord, please turn this faucet off in the name of Jesus. I speak over you. Ataboka. Honda, Honda. God is saying to you that you have agency over this. You, the you of you, has power within you that now can be actuated to take control over the current situation. You do not have to allow yourself to go down the rabbit hole. Listen, verse 25 says it. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Verse 28, why do you worry? Verse 31, therefore do not worry. Let me say it this way. You have agency and thus you control you. Take your power back from your emotional center. <sighs> Take your power back from your emotional center. Don't let your emotions run you. Half of the guys in the NFL that only make the four, three or four year mark in the NBA the same way can't control their emotions. They've got great athleticism, but they get too hyper. They get angry. They start yelling. Then you try to tell them, okay, back off now. They want to punch the coach. They want to hit the referee. Guess what? They're out of control. And anytime you get out of control, we then have to find a way to subdue you, to control you when you ought to be controlling you. We ruin our lives by allowing ourselves to be led by our emotions. I want to help somebody right here. I don't care which emotion's in control. If emotion is in control, thought is not. Let me do it another way. Just because it feels good to you doesn't make it good for you. You have to realize that if the emotions of your life are swinging you and controlling what you do, then you are not in control. You've got to learn that you have the power. I see people, I watch young kids who go play sports, and then I see them get pulled out of the game, they start pouting. 
if they're pouting at five, you can believe me, if they get 25 and they're good, they'll pout when they're taken off the court. And they will not be able to ever achieve their goal because their emotions will run them. That's why an Odell Beckham Jr. can literally be one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen in my life. But at the same time, be emotionally distressed because he misses a pass and goes over to the sideline and kicks the kicker's net, which ends up kicking him in his own head. Come on, man. You cannot get that emotional. You cannot get so emotional you punch a wall and break your own fist. What sense does that make? Some of us allow emotions to control us. Let me, let me, I want to give you this one. I, we were, my wife and I, we had recently knew that we had gotten married. So we, I was invited to preach. I think it's around 1988. Uh, we, I was invited to preach down in uh, Pensacola, Florida. So I get invited to Pensacola, Florida. I'm going to preach there. And it's my uncle's church. So I'm down there. I'm really excited. And while we're there, we had this huge revival that night. People were packed into the church. After church, when they went to shut something off in the equipment, the electrical fire started. And the flames shot through the electrical lines. You could see them popping in the ceiling. You could see the little flame coming down. And it was, you know, it was a scary moment. Well, my, my auntie started hollering, Daddy, Daddy, what's the number the 911? When your emotions take control, even what you know can't be accessed. The reality is that you and I have to take back our emotional control. Well, the, 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 the second thing, this text does something for us that, and I know people have read, preached this text for years, and some of you listening now say, I've never heard it preached that way. Well, if you had, then you wouldn't need me. Here, the second thing the text does, it cautions anticipation. It cautions anticipation. Why do you say that, Reverend? Here he says it clearly, verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. That's a caution against what? Anticipation. Because what I'm doing is... I am anticipating what is getting ready to happen by worrying about it. In other words, I'm starting to pay for tomorrow's issues today. The text says sufficient for the day is what you're already going through. Deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. See, I know you. Doris Day, some of you younger folks have no clue who that is. But Doris Day used to sing a song. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Try it with me. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Okay, 
I want to help somebody here. This is important. Anticipation is really one of the key things that, that triggers and helps with worrying. Watch this. Stay with me for a second. You know, before you and I started seeing Stephen King movies and getting scared, before Friday the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, and before, J before Jason started running around, and before we had an attack of the zombies, 59,000. Yeah. That there was a man named Alfred Hitchcock. Now the South. Alfred Hitchcock could show enough scare you. And then he had none of the technology. He didn't have all the cinematography or anything. But he could set it up so that you'd be sitting there. And, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you little older ones. Y'all went up to the drive-in. <laughs> you put the little, little microphone inside, the, the speaker inside the window. Roll the window up a little bit. And then you had the blanket in the back. You kind of covered your head. Hitchcock said something I thought was important. He said, there is no terror in the bang. Only in the anticipation of it. It's all in the anticipation. Why do you think your scariest rides at Disney have the big setup? This is going to drop so many feet. Death defying. No, it's the anticipation that if I can get your juices going, get you all excited on the anticipation, all of a sudden, I've gotten you. And some of us allow the anticipation of trouble to cause us to worry. And the one thing Jesus says to us, really, really smoothly is, don't worry about tomorrow. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Oh, I got to hurry. Last point, last point, last point. I told you I was going to try and make this nice, light, summer kind of thought. So, so stay with me. Last point. This is important. Jesus teaches us the lesson that we can control attitudes. He said, there's some things you can't control, but there are some things you can how do I know he said this? You are looking at me like, Reverend, you are imposing on the Holy Writ. No, I is not. This is not eisegetical. This is exegetical from the material that rests in front of me. Watch this. Jesus says, let me explain something to you. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? In other words, 
there are some things you have no control over. So what he says is, control what you can and leave the rest to God. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other night. She said, she said to me, she said, I, I, one thing I've taken away from, from my encounters with people is I've taken this thing, and she said, I'm going to hold on to it. She said, it's the 5-5 five, five rule. I said, 5-5 five, five rule. She said, yeah, 5-5 five, five rule. 5-5 five, five rule is simply this. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes upset about it. Tap somebody, say that was for you. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes upset about it. I see folk all upset about the Kool-Aid. Getting all upset because the chicken was fried instead of baked. Come on. Wasting my energy. I don't have time for all that. Listen, you have got to realize you can control your attitude. Uh, Victor, Victor E. Frankel said this way. He said, the last of human freedoms to, is to choose one's attitudes. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitudes. I, it's my freedom. It's my choice. I get to choose my attitude. I don't necessarily get to choose what things that happen in my life, but I get to choose how I feel about them. No, no, sometimes I do get the low, the low end of the totem pole. Sometimes I do get the bad side of the deck, but that doesn't mean that you're going to mess my day up because something else went wrong. No, I get to choose how I'm going to respond to it. I get to choose what I'm going to do with my life. You're, no, you're not going to make me act a particular way. Just because you act a fool doesn't mean I have to act a fool. Just because you want me to be upset doesn't mean I'm about to get upset because I refuse to give you control over my emotional center. I'm living my best life, which means that I'm in control of me and all I can do is to try to live my life for God. I want to throw one last nugget in here that I was going to save for next week, but don't worry, I, I still got, I got something left. But, but can I give you one last little nugget? Can I give you one? My time is up, but I got one more nugget. Y'all mind? Here it is. There are three, three words. It's an alliteration. Here's my responsibility. To adjust, adapt, and acknowledge God. Adjust, adapt, and acknowledge God. Listen, that's all I got to do. I got to adjust to what happened. Something went wrong. I'm adjusting to it. I'm going to adapt to this new environment, this new situation. And the whole time, I'm going to acknowledge God because anything I can't control, he can. Anything I'm not in charge of, he is. Anything I'm not responsible for, God is taking care of. And if God is in control, who am I to worry about how God wants to handle it? Because God knows just what I need. So therefore, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Come on, give God a praise. All over the building, maybe there's somebody here today who wants to come and give their hand to preach you.